Hello, my friends. I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, this is Pastor Christopher Alam at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I trust you and your household, you are doing well. Praise God. Uh, we are on the subject of the blood covenant. <coughs> Excuse me. We're on the subject of the blood covenant. And uh, we were talking yesterday about the Lord being our righteousness, which actually corresponds to God's uh, uh, word in uh, the old covenant where he said, uh, I'm Yahweh Sidkenu, which means I'm the Lord, your righteousness. And in the new covenant, Jesus Christ is our righteousness. So we were in uh, Romans 5:17, and it says, uh, and that's where we finish, but let me recap that and, and move on from there. It says, for it, for if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Praise God. This is a, a wonderful uh, word of scripture. And it says that for if by the transgressions of uh, transgression of the one, death reigned through the one. That means that uh, uh, because Adam sinned, Adam transgressed against God. So because of him, death reigned over all mankind. Uh, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, that the soul that sinneth shall die. So when Adam sinned, um, <coughs> sin polluted his bloodstream. And so as to say, figuratively speaking, and uh, ever since that, every child who, have been, who has been born on this earth, on this planet, has had death reign in his life. We are born with the stamp of death upon our lives. And in fact, David said, he put it very clearly. He said, in sin was I born and in sin did my, did my mother conceive me. In other words, we, you know, we as human beings, we don't have to do anything wrong to be considered sinners because sin is a part of our DNA. Uh, you know, if you watch children grow up, um, I'm a, I'm a parent and, you know, I have three children who by God's grace are all grown up. And we, you know, the thing is that they're all serving God, but throughout their lives, throughout their childhood, and even in their teenage years, we always had to give them the word of God and make sure that, that they understood and, you know, they received Jesus and they're now, they now have their own walk with God. But the thing I noticed that uh, we never had to teach them wrong. You know, when they were children, uh, doing wrong uh, comes naturally to man. But righteousness is something that has to be imparted. Wrong doesn't have to be imparted uh, upon any man. You can isolate a person and, uh, uh, from everybody else and put him in a place alone where he has no outside influences and you will see that sin will rear its ugly head because sin is a part of the nature of man. So when people say, well, all people are good, that's not true because every human being is born under the stamp of sin. Uh, the world says, humanism, hum, humanism says that, well, every person is basically good. No, every person is not fundamentally good. Every person is a sinner uh, because sin is a part of the human nature. But, we, but, but uh, that sin has to be crucified because what happens, sin is a part of the human nature. And as a person lives in sin, 
um, without any influence of the word of God on his life, sins beca sin becomes natural. So the thing that the things that the Bible says are wrong, they become natural to man because they come naturally to man, especially in societies where there's uh, little or no influence of the word of God. Uh, what is wrong becomes right. And uh, if, even though it is still wrong in the eyes of God, it becomes right because everybody is doing it. And uh, but the Bible says that the consequences of that is dangerous. Uh, the wages of sin is death and that still remains. And uh, and so what happens is that that is what I mean, that death reigns in all humanity because of Adam, because of Adam's sin, because we have inherited his sin nature. Death reigns through humanity. So because sin reigns through humanity. So as because death reigns and it does so because sin reigns and um, and the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But here's the good news. The good news is that although the wages of sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus paid the price for our sins. So it says that for if by the transgression of the one, that means if because of the sin of Adam, death reigned through him. So because of Adam, death ruled and reigned all humanity through Adam. It says much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So just like death reigned through Adam, eh, the free gift of righteousness, the abundance of the grace of God and the free gift of righteousness came into man. Just like sin came into man through Adam, uh, the righteousness of God and the abundance of the grace of God came upon man through Jesus Christ. So um, you can say Jesus Christ, uh, they call him the second Adam, but in, in a word, he was also uh, the opposite of Adam. He was the anti-Adam. Adam brought in sin, but Jesus Christ brought righteousness. Hallelujah. What a wonderful gift. Now, when sin came, we didn't ask for it. You know, we didn't ask for sin. It just came. In the same way, we were not worthy. We didn't ask for this righteousness, but this abundance of grace, the abundance of the love and the mercy of God and the righteousness of God was also given to us as a free gift to all mankind. And it is up to us to accept that free gift. And that's what the Bible says. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. If you shall believe in your heart that, Je that Jesus Christ died, that Jesus Christ died and was raised from the dead. And if you shall believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. So uh, just like sin and death reigned over man. So what he's saying is that uh, in the same way, righteousness and grace shall also reign in man's heart. So because God gives us his righteousness and his through his grace, uh, because of his goodness and his mercy to us, we receive it by faith. And the Bible says that those who receive this free gift of righteousness, this free gift of grace, they shall rule and they shall reign in life through Jesus Christ. So when you, when we receive the righteousness of God and it is a free gift. So 
Here's the thing. I have always said that the righteousness uh, that we receive from God, uh, this free gift of righteousness, it enables us. Righteousness is the ability to stand before God without uh, shame, without guilt and without condemnation, which is true. But there's another aspect of righteousness. Not only does righteousness enable us to stand before God, but righteousness also enables us to rule in life. We can reign in life because the devil's biggest weapon against us is to tell us that we are not worthy or we are sinners and, you know, point out some faults that we have done. Or sometimes, uh, often the devil brings up things that we have all, all, already confessed before God, that we have already been forgiven for. But somehow the devil has a way of recycling things and bringing up things from years ago. I mean, he, he tries that on me all the time. And especially the, uh, the worst kind of life you live before you were saved, the more stuff he has to dredge up. And, uh, and then those are the things that defeat us because they defeat our faith. And the Bible talks about uh, uh, walking before God with faith and a clean conscience. So when the devil does that, when the devil attacks you, and he tells you you're not worthy. What he's attacking, he's attacking your conscience because suddenly your conscience isn't clean anymore. And when your conscience isn't clean, you don't have faith anymore. And so when the devil steals your confidence and steals your joy and steals your faith and steals your clean conscience and, and instead uh, of, of joy, he, he gives you worry and fear and sorrow and inadequacy. And, uh, you know, instead of faith, he gives you doubt and he fills your mind with things like you are not worthy. Yes, God is good. Yes, Jesus Christ died for you on the cross, but you are not worthy. So what happened? You can't rule or reign in this life. That is when the devil will use that to rule and to reign over you and to drive you roughshod. That's why a lot of people, they suffer unnecessary suffering. Now, I understand if you're suffering for the sake of the gospel, that's one thing. But there is this unnecessary suffering when you just suffer because the devil, he, he has his his knee upon your neck and he has you down. But the Bible says that this is, this is the divine mandate that those of us who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall not be defeated, but we shall reign and rule in this life through Christ Jesus. Now, reigning and ruling in this life doesn't mean living a life where you don't have any challenges, where you don't have any problems. Listen, that does not happen, right? You will always have challenges in this life. You will, we live in a fallen world and there's things that happen around us and there's no such thing as a, as a perfect situation, which is like a utopia that will come and that will come when we are in heaven. But as long as we are here, we live in a fallen world. There's things happen and a lot of things that happen, they're not your fault. They're not anybody's fault. It's just because we live in a fallen world and the devil is a bad devil. But the promise is that in all these things, we shall rule and reign in life through Jesus because through Jesus Christ, we are more than conquerors because he has loved us. Hallelujah. So I want you to get that, that because we have received this gift of righteousness, we shall rule and we shall reign in this life. Amen. Now, let me show you 
uh, about how you uh, walk in this righteousness. You know, walking, it's one thing to have this righteousness, it's another thing to to actually walk in it. And I'm going to show you some scriptures that are going to help you when it comes to walking in this righteousness. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 to 24. It says, this is what he's telling us to do. Strip yourselves of uh, your former nature. That is, I'm reading from the Amplified. Put off and discard your old unrenewed self, which is characterized which characterize your previous manner of life and becomes corrupt through lusts and desires that spring from delusion and be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a flesh, a fresh, I'm sorry, fresh mental and spiritual attitude and put on the new nature, the regenerate self created in God's image God-like in true righteousness and holiness. Amen. So anyway, so here's the thing. We have received the grace of God, abundance of grace, and we have received the righteousness of God as a free gift. That we have. It is ours and nobody can take it away, right? But it is another matter to live and to walk in it because you see, you, you can have something and yet not walk in it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like for example, uh, I, I have this cup, okay? This, uh, this is a, it's a special uh, tumbler. It's insulated. If I put some cold, a cold drink in it and put some ice in it, tomorrow the ice will still be there. It won't melt. Now, it doesn't matter how hot it is. It, it's, it's very special and unusual, but it works well for me. But now, so hot weather right now where it's like, 34 degrees outside and I can uh, so I always carry this with me I always have something cold to drink in it with lots of ice but it does me good only if I use it I can have it in my kitchen sitting there on a shelf and I can tell you I own this thing but I it's true it is mine I own it because if you go to my house you will see it there but I'm not drinking any cold water because I'm not utilizing it. I'm not using it. So it is with righteousness. Righteousness has been given to us as a free gift because of the sacrifice that our Lord Jesus Christ made upon the cross at Calvary. But we have to take a hold of that righteousness and use it and make it work for us. And that is what he's saying. The first thing he says you do is strip yourself of your former nature. That means put off and discard your old unrenewed self. Now, this means that, you see, when a person gets born again, when a person comes to Jesus and he receives the righteousness of God, his spirit man is born again. His spirit is born again because he man, uh, man, I mean, if you look at me, you see a person here. I'm one person, but I have got three components. This, my spirit, my soul, and my body. Now, my spirit is that eternal part of me. That is the part of me when I leave this world, my spirit will move on to heaven. So Jesus Christ, uh, what he did when, when I got born again, my spirit was the part that was renewed, that was made new, that was born again. And the Holy Spirit lives in my spirit. That Now that is being said, that is my spirit. My spirit has eternal life. Now, but my body, my body, I still have a human body. 
because as I grow older, it doesn't have the same strength anymore. Doesn't matter how well I feed myself, how much exercise we do, the body has a certain number of years assigned to it. When I was born and I ate right, exercised right, it reached a place, it got stronger and stronger, then it peaked. It got, that was my strongest part in my life. And then from there, it began to weaken and weaken and weaken. And now I'm 66 years old and I'm, by God's grace, I'm still fit. I'm good for my age, but you know, 20 years down the road or if I live that long, uh, uh, I mean, it won't be the same as it is now or as it was 20 years ago. Ultimately, the body decays. Doesn't matter how much exercise you do and all that because the, you see, because the body is not eternal. That's why when we die and when we are raised by Christ again, we shall receive a glorified body because that's what happened to Jesus. He had a physical body. He came from heaven. He put upon himself a, a physical body and he lived in that physical body for 33 years and then he died on the cross. But when he was resurrected, his body was glorified. So then my body will will be glorified. And the Bible says uh, uh, the corrupt, the, that which is corrupt, that means that which is destructible, shall become indestructible, can, shall put on uh, incorruptibility and death will be swallowed by life. And suddenly this body will be filled with the glory of God. And I'm looking forward to that day. Now, so my spirit is already born again. It has the life of God in it. And the Holy Spirit lives in my spirit. And that's wonderful. My body is slowly decaying until the die until the day I leave this earth and uh, when 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 I'm raised again that is when uh, you know my body will be glorified and I accept it that's the way it is okay I accept it because that is just the way it is and there's nothing I can do to change it uh, some people try to make their bodies eternal or they look for the fountain of youth or they look for creams and things that can make them younger it does not work it it has no lasting effect now but the mind that is interesting the mind is uh, is the vehicle through which i my, you know my emotions and my thoughts and everything is in my mind so that is why it is important for us to have a sound mind a mind that functions because one of the saddest thing is when i meet people who are physically alive but whose minds are not working and um, that's why the Bible says God has not given us a fear, but the uh, the spirit of fear, but the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And which also tells me something. Fear is the greatest enemy of your mind. Fear is the greatest enemy of your mind. Once fear grips a hold of you, we are all attacked by fear. That is normal to be attacked by fear. But it's how you deal with that fear, because when you yield to fear, uh, what happens is uh, you develop a character trait in your soul that is called timidity. And that's what the word actually means, that God has not given us the spirit of timidity. Timidity is a character trait that is developed as a, as a uh, result of a habitual, continual yielding to fear. You yield to fear, you yield to fear, you develop this character trait called timidity and it ultimately it eats up your mind. It makes you fearful of everything. It takes away your boldness, takes away your confidence and you suffer. And that's one of the worst things I know when I see people suffer in their minds 
uh, and they imagine things that are not even true. The rest of us cannot see it, but for them, that is what it is. And a lot of, uh, a lot of sorrow in this world is, is, uh, is caused by, you know, what goes on in the mind. And um, I have seen people who have everything going for them in life, but they don't believe that, uh, uh, that, that their lives are worth living. And people like that normally end up taking their lives. I mean, look at it. Uh, I know girls, pretty beautiful girls, and they have eating disorders. You know why? Because they believe in the lie. When they look at the mirror, the girl has a, uh, she looks pretty, she's beautiful, but every time she looks at the mirror, what she sees is a fat person. She may not be fat, to you and to me, but in her mind she is fat because somehow that thought has gone into her mind and that causes eating disorders. Now, I'm, I'm being simplistic. I'm not a doctor, but I'm just trying to tell you how it is important to have a sound mind because if your mind gets messed up, if things get into your mind, it will really, really mess you up. So, uh, but then even if your mind doesn't get messed up, uh, there's also the thing is that uh, our mind must be renewed uh, uh, and not be the same. Because see, the thing is this, you can be a Christian, you can be born again, you living for God and you have your hope in heaven. But if you do not renew your mind, your mind will live by the same thought patterns. And that is why we see, uh, for, uh, for example, for, uh, let me give you an example. This is an extreme example, but a lot of people, <coughs> every time the price of petrol goes up, the price of gasoline, as they say in America, goes up. Some people say, oh my goodness, the prices of gasoline has gone up. Or anytime uh, anything goes wrong in their, uh, you know, in society that they feel is detrimental to them, they, re Im they immediately, they worry and they're concerned. And many people are concerned there's going to be war and people are concerned that they're going to die or people are concerned that if there's a disease going around, it's going to touch them because I always get it. Now, these things are a result of an unrenewed mind because a renewed mind will always say when the price of petrol goes up, he will say, well, praise God, the Lord Jesus is my is is my savior and my lord and he and the gold and the silver and the cattle on a thousand hills belong to him and i'm a tither i'm a giver i sow seed and god is going to bless me and i'm never going to lack anything doesn't matter where the prices go god will take care of me he will keep me safe or when there's sickness or disease going around you say you know what i know there's this disease going around but here's the thing that um, I believe that my Lord Jesus bore all my diseases, carried all my pains, and with his stripes I'm healed. So, because your mind is renewed, you see, a renewed mind is a mind that has taught itself. You have to do it yourself. It's nothing that happens automatically when you're saved. Or, or some people think, if I have a prayer life, strong prayer life, my mind will change. No, it won't. You have to target your mind and work on your mind and renew your mind and teach and re, I don't like to use this word, but for want of a better word, you have to reprogram your mind to think in line with the word of God. That's what he's saying. It says you take off, strip yourself of your former nature. Uh, that means, what does it mean by nature? It means put off and discard your old renewed self. It means that the way you used to think, the way you used to walk in the world before, 
get rid of it. And some people think, oh, it means sin. I used to go to nightclubs. I won't go to nightclubs anymore. I used to smoke. I won't smoke anymore. I used to drink. I won't drink anymore. That's not what he's talking about. Because those are just outward behavior patterns you can, which you can change. You can say, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore because this is wrong. But that's not it. It's talking about the way you think, what makes you tick in here. So you've got to get rid of the old way of thinking, the old way of reasoning, the old way of walking. And uh, uh, just, uh, just get rid of it and discard it, which characterized your previous manner of life. Because... And, and becomes corrupt through lust and desires and springing from spring from delusion. Then it says, and be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about behavior change or uh, don't smoke cigarettes anymore and don't drink alcohol anymore. Don't fornicate anymore. Yeah, those are the legitimate things. You should not smoke or drink or fornicate or commit adultery. Yes, but what he's really talking about here that you should be constantly renewed in your mind and in your spiritual attitude. So we have to target, target that because the Bible says that our mind, you know, is so important. So what goes on in the mind is very important. What goes on in the mind will what is what come, will come out of our mouth, and that's what will define our actions. So we we and that comes by uh, speaking the word and meditating on the word. Take the scriptures and meditate on the scriptures and work on the scriptures, and then it says and put on the new nature. Put on the new nature, the regenerated self. Hallelujah. And so what you do is the, the new nature is the renewed mind. That means your mind suddenly thinks in line with the word of God. Previously, my mind used to think in the ways of the world. I used to reckon on disease and poverty and defeat and difficulty. That's what I used to count on because that's what happened in the world and that's how the people of the world talked. But now I no longer talk that way. I no longer think that way. My expectations are not based on what happens in the world, but my talk, my thoughts, my expectations are based on what God says in his word. That's what it means that... Uh, to put on the new nature created in the image of God. Hallelujah. And, um, you know, uh, let me tell you a little story very briefly. When I, when I got saved, I used to have a terrible anger problem. I was so angry. So when I got married to my wife and uh, I, I had this terrible anger problem, I used to shout and I, I was never physically abusive. I wasn't, but verbally I was abusive. I used to get Oh my goodness, it would take not, it wouldn't take much to cause me to flare up. I used to get angry. I, I remember I used to hit the door and punch the walls. I mean, terrible. And, uh, but I realized at the same time it was wrong. I used to pray, oh Jesus, take it away. But he never took it away because these things don't go away through prayer. They go away through renewal of the mind. So one day I was looking at the Bible. I saw 1 Corinthians 13, where it talks about love and it talks about uh, the attributes of love. And uh, I began to realize, like a revelation hit me. It says, love is kind, love is patient, love is gentle, love doesn't think the worst. You know, I, I look at, and I realized, then I saw, in, the, in uh, Romans, 
uh, how the love of God has been poured into my heart through the Holy Ghost that God has given me. And I said, Lord, I have the Holy Ghost. So you have poured out your love into me. So I have your love. Now, because I have the love, I have your love living in me. I have all these attributes in me. So what I did, I wrote 1 Corinthians 13 down and wherever it said about uh, love is patient, love is kind, I replaced love with me because the love of God is in me. So I said, I am patient, I am kind. So what I would do whenever I'd feel the anger writing, rising, I'd just go away just go away. I had to discipline myself. Just walk away, take that paper and begin to speak loudly with my mouth. I'm patient. I'm kind. I believe I'm patient. I'm kind. I believe that the love of God abides in me. I believe that the love of Jesus is in me. So because love is patient, I am patient. I am kind. So all the attributes of love in 1 Corinthians 13, I used to speak them. I am patient. I am kind. And I did this for months. Every You have to be disciplined. And over time, I began to see my, uh, my mind began to change, my attitude change. And after a few months, my anger was gone, gone. Today, you won't see people who will say, oh, Christopher Alam yelled at me, he screams, he has a big anger problem. I don't. I would rather, when people say things that make me angry, I just put it to the Lord and I walk away. And sometimes I get quiet because I know that if I'm not quiet, I can end up saying things that I will regret later on. So, but you know, you can actually change yourself and you change yourself by speaking, meditating on the word. So that's what I did. I actually had to work on it myself. I took the word and spoke the word over myself. I am patient, I am kind. And I did that for months until the anger just dissipated and left, him, and left me. The word of God will change your life. So put off the old man, put on the new man, and that is how you walk in righteousness. But let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I we come to you. I bless you, Father. I honor you. I glorify you. I thank you for the life you've given us to live. Thank you for the work you are doing in us, Father. I thank you, Jesus, that you are our righteousness and that through you we have been made righteous. We have received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, which are ours to live in and to walk in. Father, bless all my brothers and sisters who are hearing my voice right now. Bless their families. Touch them. Meet every need they have whether it be healing or financial need or any need they have. Father, bless them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I'll be seeing you again tomorrow and God bless you.